God knew was important would be written in the scriptures so that we could comprehend and we could understand. And so he, it begins us list them with their problems. He says, first of all, that, that the ones who are in distress, it means to be compressed, it means to be oppressed, it means to be oppressed into a narrow place or a confined place or a disability. And so what we see here when he is talking about people that are in distress, he is talking about people that are compressed, people that are in a stressful place or a narrow place. They're confined. Have you ever been there where you felt that you was compressed into a narrow place, where that you were restrained, that, that you could not, it, it almost caused you to feel oppressed or disabled you to what you could not do, what you desired to do. That's the people that got together with David. And then he says that there's those who were in debt. Right? A load. The root word means astray or to be deluded by mentally or seduced morally. And so the old songwriter sung a song that said, I owed a debt I could not pay. And he paid a debt that he did not owe, right? And so Jesus paid it for us. And so what else, but there is nothing like the stress of debt. I thought I'd get more than that to agree with me. There's, more, there's nothing much more difficult than the stress of debt, being overwhelmed whenever you don't, you've got more going out than's coming in. When, when you don't have the ability, you know that you've got this responsibility, but now you, something has happened in life. How many know life happens? And you, at one time, maybe you have the ability, but now you don't have the ability, but you still got the debt and, and you feel the weight of it every month, every week, every day. The collectors are calling you and trying to push you and pressure you to, to do what you know you cannot do. There's, this is the people that gathered together with David. We all have experienced the perplexity of life that we live where the load is in life seems to be overwhelming. The load is heavy that we just run in, want to run into the cave. Amen. Just want to run off where nobody can find you. Huh? And, and just be where nobody can see you, where you can just breathe for a moment. And these are the people that, that gathered together with David. And then he said the discontented. When you study that word, when you look that word up, you'll find out that means they were angry and they were bitter. I don't know what you would call this. But I'd call it a mess. If I would have been Saul, I believe I'd have just left them alone. Because knowing 400 men are in a cave, they are in distress, they are in debt, and they are discontented, 
they're angry and they're bitter, don't you know it isn't going to take long until these men turn and start killing each other? You won't have to fight. You won't have to battle. Because when you get this many people in a constrained place that are bitter and they're angry and they're overwhelmed, the rage is going to take place and, and they're going to destroy each other. It's just a matter of time. But it was Saul's oppression that caused them to come out of the cave. It was the, the enemy that was pushing on them that calls them to say we can't stay in here we've got to get back out there and we've got to do something you see the enemy that you feel is it won't go away that thing that keeps taunting you that thing that keeps pushing on you that you feel like well if I could just get rid of it but God is using that very thing for you not to give up not to quit not to stay in the cave but he's pushing on you to understand that there's more for you that that he has a place for you and it's not in a cave. Amen. It was Saul's oppression. And then, then we see in verse 16 of that chapter. That it went, to, went to, into Amalek and 84 other priests. And they killed them and went to their city and killed their families and everything that was living. In verse 16, but the king said, you surely shall die, Amalek, and you and your father's whole family. And then the king ordered the guards at his side, turn and kill the priests of the Lord because they have uh, sided with David and they knew he was fleeing. Yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were not willing to raise their hand or strike the priest of the Lord. And then he went on. Uh, then and ordered Dogen, right? Dog. You turn and strike down the priest. And so uh, he, he turned and struck down the priest that day and killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod, right? You know what the linen ephod is? It's the prayer. It's, it's the it's the. Uh, when the priests in the Old Testament, they wore the linen ephod. They were the ones that interceded. They were the ones that went to prayer. And God would answer their prayer. And, and now we see that he also put the sword uh, in the, to Noah, the town of the priests, with its men and its women, the children and the infants and the cattle and the donkey and the sheep. Killed everything. Never even left the animal in the field. Destroyed it all. And you see, what I, what I put down here is this. Whenever you're in a battle, the first thing the enemy will try to do is to destroy the voice of God in your life. The first thing the enemy will try to do is stop the voice of God in your life. Because the devil knows if he can stop you from hearing truth long enough, then you will begin to believe the lies that are being told to you and you would accept it as the truth. And so what has to do is he's got to shut off truth from your life so you'll believe a lie and accept it as the truth. This is the reason that David said, that I have hid God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. 
You have to get full of God's word so that in seasons of your life, when it seems that the devil has stopped his word from getting to you, that you've got enough word down in your heart to still defeat your enemy. Amen. You see, Daniel fought for 21 days, didn't he? He was warring because, not because of what was in the natural, but because of what was in the spiritual realm. He was warring because there was a hindrance from, from the messenger or getting to where he was. God said, what did he tell him? He said, I heard you the first day. Huh? But it's taken me 21 days to get here because there's a war in the heavens. There is a stronghold that is taking place. Have you ever considered that the prayer that you prayed that you felt as though God had forsaken you or forgotten about you or not answering you? Have you ever considered that there may be a warfare getting your answer back to you? Daniel prayed for 21 days. And it was God answered it on the first day. But there was a war in the spirit. If there has ever been a day that is more true than, than uh, today. Because we know today that there is a spiritual warfare that is going on. Not only in our world but to, particularly in our nation. Wars and rumors of wars. Huh? We've got such a mess in our country today. And it's not about a natural mess. It's about a spiritual mess. Amen. Because if it got right in the spirit, then we wouldn't have the mess in the natural. Because whenever we cure what is the real cause, it's not what can be seen. It is what is not seen. And excuse me, and there is a spiritual warfare that is going on in our nation. It's a fight for our nation. It's a fight for souls. It's a fight for the kingdom of God. And while we remain silent and people say, well, you shouldn't talk about things like that. But the, the reality of it is, is that, that we understand the answer is not in, in the uh, city courthouse it's not a man in the public's place it isn't even in the white house it's in God's house and if God's people would return back to a place of prayer and intercession we would not be trying to catch up with the news on CNN and Fox News we would hear the sounds of heaven and the sounds of heaven would we wouldn't be trying to catch up but we would know what's going on ahead of time amen it's true. It's true. We've just got to get back to a place where we hear the sounds of heaven. Not only did they maintain under their oppression 400 men, right? Verse 2 said 400 men went into the cave with David. But now in chapter 23 in verse 13, it says that there is now 600 men. In battle. I have to be honest with you. I scratched my head when I seen that. How in the world. Can you get people to join. Depressed. Suicidal. In debt. 
angry and bitter people and get 200 men to join you. I mean, there's a good salesman somewhere. Right? There was 400 in, in, in chapter 22, verse 2. Now in verse 13 of chapter 23, there's now 600. They're growing. Why? I submit to you it's because they did not stay that way. They was under the tutelage of David and David started imparting unto them revelation and wisdom and understanding that transformed and changed their hearts until they took them from a place of being all of that bitter and angry and suicidal and, and all of the things in debt and he began to pour into them into a place that they became not longer no longer what was described here in chapter 22 but now David is raising up an army of warriors he's taking all of this dysfunctional people and he's bringing them together and in their togetherness hearing truth and hearing the word of the Lord they are being transformed in a cave hallelujah and God is about to put them in front of the forefront of a nation to show the, the world what he can do with dysfunctional people Amen. You see, you don't have to have it all together. You just got to have God. And if you've got God on your side, then, then you may feel dysfunctional. You may feel handicapped. You may feel that you are separated or things aren't going your way. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. Because you see, God, they, this is the reason why. This is the reason why 200 were willing to join with them in such extremable odds. It was because something was happening in that cave. And I'm telling you today, there's got to be something happen in the cave called the church. Where the people understand that, yeah, we may be dysfunctional. We may not have it all together. We may be broke, busted, and disgusted. But the reality of it is, we're hearing the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is setting us free and redeeming us from the curse of the law and causing victory to come in our hearts and when we get victory on the inside there's no weapon formed against us that will ever prosper because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world <clears throat> in 2nd Samuel chapter 23 in verse 8 through 22 I'll not read it all but this describes David's mighty warriors Verse 8. We got Josh Ebb. You know, they just ain't something right with these Old Testament dudes. <laughs> I'm going to call him Josh. Right? It says the chief of the three, he raised a spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's a bad dude. I mean, who has the audacity 
to go out against 800 men by yourself. Something happened in that cave. Are you hearing me? Something happened in that cave that caused them to understand something on the inside of them was greater than all of the oppression that was coming against them. He goes out and he raises a spear and he kills 800 men single-handedly in one encounter. Verse 9 is Eleazar. And Eleazar, he, he is one of the three mighty men that was with David. And when he taunted the Philistines in the battle. And it says that Israel retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Amen. And the Lord brought about a great victory. What did Eleazar do? He wasn't all of that. He just did what he could do. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Sometimes all you can do is stand. But if you'll stand, the Lord will bring about a great victory. He said enough is enough. And Eleazar stood. Think about this. You're, you're in an army and all of Israel starts going the other direction. And here you are standing there by yourself. Huh? And now the Philistines are coming and he starts fighting them and cutting their heads off until his sword is frozen to his hand. Have you ever done something so long your hand just gets stiff? His hand frozen to the sword and he's just warring. <laughs> and the Lord brought about a great victory. Verse 11, Shammah. It says that Israel troops fled from them. Man, Israel had a problem, didn't they? Israel's troops, because he says here, and when the Philistines um, banded together at the place where there was field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field and defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Amen. This every year the Philistines would come in and steal the harvest. And we see that Shammah says it's enough is enough. You know he got a Popeye spirit. I stands all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Amen. Sometimes you just got to get a Popeye spirit. Get you a can of spiritual spinach. Amen. And say this is enough. And I'm not taking it no more. And stand if you have to stand by yourself. Stand if all of Israel goes back home and hides in their pup tent. Stand there and say I'm not allowing you to come. You might take me out. But I'm not leaving here. I'm going to stand in the middle of this field. I'm going to stand in the middle of my family. And I'm going to guard and protect. Protected until God does something. Amen. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Amen. During the time of harvest, three of the 30, 30 chief warriors came down to David in the cave of Abdullam. 
And while they were banned there, the Philistines encamped against them in Riphium. And at that time, David was at the stronghold of the Philistine garrison. But it was at Bethlehem. And verse 15, and David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink from the water of wells near the gate of Bethlehem. So three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, right? Wasn't even named, just called them three mighty warriors. Broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David and he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. It said, far be it from me, Lord, to do this. He said, is it not the blood of the men who went at the risk of their own lives and David would not drink it. Think about that. Three men run through the Philistine army, go to the well, get water, bring it back through the lines of the enemy because David's thirsty. Now, I don't think because of his response, I don't think that he ever expected anybody to do it. I believe he was just thinking about how refreshing that water was. And he said, oh my, you know how we are sometimes. I wish I could have a Coke or I wish I could have a coffee. All right? David said, oh, I wish I could get some water from Bethlehem. And three, or three soldiers broke out and said, we'll go get it. Then he brings it back and says, I can't do that. There ain't no way. Can't do that. And he pours it out to the Lord. What I've seen in that is unity. I've seen a spirit of unity that said, if my brother needs it, then I'll go lay my life down. I'll risk my life. These men were tight. They, they were together. And it was something that was honoring that they would be willing to lay down their life if need be to get a drink of water for David. Right? Verse 18. Who's this dude? He's the brother of Joab. That's who he is. <laughs> he, raised his, he raised his spear against 300 men who he killed. And so he became as famous as the three. He was not held in great honor as that, that the three. He became their commander even though he was not included among them. Right? Then you have Benaiah in verse 20. And he performs great exploits. He strikes down Moab's two mighty warriors. And he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. This is the dysfunctional people that went into the cave with David. 
But when they came out of that cave, they had something on the inside of them that made them believe they could kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Right? He struck down a huge Egyptian. And although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, watch this, Benaiah went down against him with a club. Snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. What are you saying all that for? I want you to understand today that there should be a transformation that takes place inside of you when you hear the word of the Lord. It doesn't matter the dysfunction. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter even where you are. When you hear the word of the Lord, it should stir something on the inside of you that says greater one lives on the inside of me. So therefore, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Right? Because there's none of us that aren't dysfunctional in some way. We can dress it up and we can do whatever we have to do to make it look good. But the reality of it is all of us have a struggle. All of us have a dysfunction. All of us have a blind spot that nobody wants to talk about. Right? I can look at you and I can see it so clearly. But when I look at myself, I can't see it. Right? And nobody wants to tell me and nobody wants to tell you. But we've got a dysfunction. Right? We've got a problem. We've got a limitation. We've got a hindrance. But you see, even in all of that, God doesn't call us and say, you've got to get perfect before I can fix you or help you or use you. God says, come to me. Right? Come to me and there'll be a transformation that'll take place in your life and I can use you. My Lord, if you need hope today, God can use a donkey. If you don't believe it, just ask Balaam. Right? And so there's hope for me, David. There's hope for you today. That we can believe that even though that, that we may not have it all and we don't feel like super saints and we don't feel like that we're floating around with angel dust falling out of our hair. We know today that God lives on the inside of us. We know his word is true. We know the promises of God are yes and amen. And so therefore we hold on to that word and let that word work in our life. And as it works in our life, it transforms us and makes us believe that we can can do what God said we can do. We can be all that God said we can be. And we can do all that he said we can do. In 2 Kings chapter 3, there was four leprous men that were at the gate of the city. And they said to each other, why sit we here till we die? Huh? What are we going to, why are we going to sit here until we die? Pre-adventure, we'll go in. You know the story, huh? Pre-adventure, we'll go in and they'll have mercy upon us. <coughs> Excuse me. But whenever they rode into town and they got there, 
They found nobody. They just found roast beef cooking on this stove. Pot roast on the fire. Right? They had the food already cooked. They found the gold and the silver in the tents. They found everything that was so, so wonderful. And the enemy had left. Why? Because God caused those four men to sound like horses and chariots of the enemy. What can God do with you if you dare to get up from where you are? You see, we can't, he can't use us in self-pity. He can't use us whenever we're just singing hee-haw songs of gloom and despair and agony on me and I'm the only one left and all of that mess. He, we've got to get up from where we are and we've got to start on our journey. We've got to begin to make our way to where God has called us to go. And in doing so, we may be alone, but he'll give us strength if need be to slay a thousand giants on the way. It may be that he'll give us the strength to make us sound like a whole army all by ourselves. I don't know how God will choose to do it. All I know is, is that we'll get up from our cave, if we'll get up from the place of our despair, and we'll start marching. God's anointing, his favor, his power will rest upon our life, and we'll go in and possess the gates of our enemy. Amen. 1 Corinthians said, what does all this have to do with us? Glad you asked. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicator, nor adulterers, nor uh, idlers, or, nor uh, infamous, nor abusers of themselves, with mankind, nor thieves, nor covenants, or drunkenness, or revilers, or exhorters shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, and, and such were some of you. And such were some of you in the cave, in debt, bitter, angry, oppressed but you are washed but you are sanctified but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God hallelujah what I want to tell you today is this that God is for you and not against you amen You've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And some of you have come through great battles and other of you are going through battles. But whenever I look over this church this morning, I see warriors. I see people that's fought. I see people that have gone through things and took a licking and kept on ticking. Right? I look and I see people that, that the devil tried to stop, but he didn't do it. I see people that you're still here and you being here is a testimony against the devil that he can't stop what God starts. Amen. Not because you're perfect. Not because you've got it all together. No, because you're washed. You're sanctified. 
and you're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that today should give you enough confidence to get up and slay your enemy. Amen. Just slay your enemy. If, if, if he can take out 800, surely I can take out two or three. Right? Because the greater one really does live on the inside of us. It's not just the story. It is the king of glory. And I'm glad I know who he is. He's living inside of you today. You can have victory from your cave today. You, can, you may go in depressed. You may go in overwhelmed. You may go in in debt. You may go in with feeling compressed. But if you'll just hear the word of the Lord. Right? Just hear the word of the Lord. You can come out a warrior. Victorious. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is fighting for you. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Really don't have nothing to do with me and you gifting the talent and ability. It just has to do with our obedience. And the Lord will bring about a great victory. Amen. Praise God. I hope this helped you today. That's what I've got. Stand with me, please. Father, I thank you for your word today. I've done the best of my ability to share what I feel that you put in my heart for this moment. And now, God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would just do the work individually and corporately, that you would speak into our hearts and our lives to what you intend for it to be and allow there to be a transformation in our heart from what we are going through to what you have called us to. And God, in the midst of it all, let us do what be obedient to the heavenly call so that you can bring about a great victory and men can see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And Father, for this we give you praise and thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. As they sing today, if this word resonates with you and you just want to put a yes on it, come to the altar today. Let us pray with you and agree with you this morning. And let's just believe that we're coming out of the cave and we're going to be warriors in the name of Jesus Christ. Victory is ours today. Amen. Praise God. As they sing today, just come if you will. There's a name that levels mountains.